0: This is Cover Two, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit.
1: Browns are going to win. Bayfield,
0: Epson, touchdown. With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorschach from the Canton Repository. It's
1: intercepted. Picked off by Denzel Ward. Chubb will take this all the way.
0: Browns fans, now, cover two, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Kadar joined by Nate Ulrich. Uh, Today we are recording a podcast for the first time in a long while since the Cleveland Browns hired Kevin Stefanski as their latest head coach. Uh, Nate, that's the that's the term I like to go with their latest head coach because who the heck knows uh, what's going to happen with this franchise going forward? Cause it's it's very strange, but we will talk about um, not necessarily Stefanski himself and if it's a good hire and that kind of thing. But we're going to talk more about the the stuff that surrounds Stefanski, the the uh, the coaches he's surrounding himself with, the front office and stuff like that. Um, But real quick, Nate, I want to divert right off the bat. Um, We're coming off a Freddie Kitchens regime where Freddie was kind of, you know, and kind of, to me, sometimes a little goofy, kind of aw shucks, I'm I'm from Alabama type of guy. Kevin Stefanski seems um, very personable. He doesn't seem like a fake, hard-ass coach like we see a lot in the NFL. Um, he, He seems very affable. What are your thoughts on on Stefanski, the guy? Because he just seems like a, a, like a good dude. Dan, I don't know him at
0: all yet. Um, I've barely um, been able to speak with him. Actually, the only times I've been able to speak with him are asking him questions in media availability. Mm-hmm. So that's been twice so far. Uh, January 14th uh, in his introductory news conference, which was exactly... Uh, the one-year anniversary of Freddie Kitchens' introductory news conference, to your point about the latest coach. And uh, the second time interviewing Stefanski in a group setting was uh, last night. Uh, so we're recording on Thursday about 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, so, yeah, Wednesday night at the Cle- uh, Greater Cleveland Sports Awards in downtown Cleveland. Um, but – In terms of how he comports himself in um, his media availability, I'm really impressed. I mean, he comes across as advertised, super sharp, um, really quick uh, and intelligent and insightful when he wants to be. He is masterful at saying a lot without saying anything. A lot of coaches are good at it, but, you know, this is a guy who just became a head coach and hasn't, you know, been in front of the media a ton. You know, he was only a full, uh, an offensive coordinator for one full season. And the way the media availability in the NFL works is when you're a coordinator, you talk once a week. So, mm-hmm. you know, he talked once a week, <laughs> you know, last season. It's going to be every day here coming up soon as the head coach of the Browns. Um, but so far, he's been extremely polished and just... His um, media availability thus far, in terms of like what I'm trying to say, uh, not only being insightful when he wants to be, but being completely in- evasive without letting anything slip. Uh, you know, that was one of the things about Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. Uh, you know, they both would not answer when they didn't want to, but once in a while, they would let something slip. And uh, a perfect example that comes to mind is uh, the day John Dorsey hired. Uh, I, I'm saying hired because I'm in coaching and GM search mode. The day John Dorsey hired Cream Hunt, which technically is true, Cream Hunt signed with the Browns. Um, I asked John Dorsey, "Does this make Duke Johnson expendable?" And I expected him to say, "Oh no, we like you know we're Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Duke Johnson. That's that. That's." that's gonna be great he said well it doesn't make him expendable yet and everybody's like whoa I can't believe he said that mm. like I don't see Kevin Stefanski slipping up very often like and John Dorsey don't get me wrong John Dorsey was was very good at not doing that but you know every once in a while something like that might come out uh you know he did go on the radio right, right after he got hired uh and Dorsey I'm talking about and 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 Say how he needs to get real players, and you know how I mean, obviously that did sit well with some in the locker room at the time. So you know there were moments that Dorsey had along those lines. Stefanski is—he's so polished. I just don't see him cracking like that. Now you know when he's up there every day and he has to do it day after day, and subject matters become difficult uh, in terms of the questioning. Uh, We'll see if it holds up this way, but right now he just—he seems like a like, I guess, if you're an NFL PR director, he's like your dream because (laughs) he's going to answer really well uh, in the interest of the Browns and uh, not necessarily, you know, give the media sound bites, Um, but at the same time be insightful and uh, and give. Give good answers about topics that he's okay with
1: giving good answers about. Right. Yeah, and he certainly seemed to win the fan base over pretty quickly, I, I from my point of view at least. Uh, but let, let's talk about the moves he is making on his coaching staff and your thoughts on those. You know, we just found out that you know the Browns are going to retain special teams coordinator Mike Prefer which I think is smart. Uh, they're going to retain Stum Mitchell as running backs coach, which, you know, coming off a season where Nick Chubb was the team's best player and you, you mentioned uh, Kareem Hunt, that, that seems smart. But beyond that, Nate, there, there are some interesting things going on here. The, the biggest name guy he has brought in so far has been offensive line coach uh, Bill Callahan. Chad O'Shea was brought in and he's been very highly thought of in the past as the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator Um, so that's kind of the offensive coaches we know so far right Nate is there anybody I'm missing on the offensive side
0: no uh, Chad O'Shea receivers uh, Bill Callahan offensive line Stefanski's working through quarterbacks and offensive coordinator candidates so it was interesting yes, yesterday at the sports awards I, I asked Stefanski if he's committed to hiring offensive coordinator just because January 14th in that previous media availability, availability he had said that he wasn't you know, dead set on calling the plays uh, it would just depend on who he hires um, and we haven't really heard a lot of buzz about offensive coordinators yet so I just asked him, are you committed to hiring one? And he said, that remains to be seen. So, uh, my thoughts on that are, uh, you know, I I just, I kind of have these philosophies or general rules, and and there are exceptions to all of them. Like, one of them is, it's never fair to fire a head coach after just one season, but Freddie Kitchens, I... uh, concede was an exception to the rule it just there were no signs that it was going to to really turn around um so another one of these like little rules that I've come up with I I just don't like uh, a first-time head coach calling uh the plays I mean I know it happens all the time we've seen it many times with the Browns and maybe that's why I'm so turned off by it because I've seen it Crash and burn so many times here, but I just think there's so many, uh, you know, game management responsibilities of a head coach. That it's 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 an awful lot to, to, to juggle when you're trying to do that and call plays. I, I, I think that um, in an ideal scenario, Ste- Kevin Stefanski would be able to be the the CEO model of a head coach and and uh, you know have somebody. Come in and be heavily involved, of course, in the offense because that's his expertise. Uh, but you know, to have somebody else call the plays, that would be my preference. And uh, I'm starting to become skeptical that that will happen, based on kind of how the you know his um, uh, assembly of his coaching staff has gone this far in, in his answer last night. So I don't know. Are you are you turned off by that, Dan? Are you? Are you over that or are you holding on to, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, uh, Sean Payton, you know, the guy, you know, Mike McCarthy, when he had success in Green Bay, I mean, he did win a Super Bowl, you know, are are you, do you look at those guys and and find comfort in that or do you look at all the other unsuccessful instances?
1: Well, it's, it's so hard to say. Just because the, all the all the one all the names you just mentioned completely validate the notion of you know it's fine if a head coach is calling the plays, but of course the ultimate nullifier for people in our area is Freddie Kitchens, and that just did not work. And you you saw a thing where I still don't know what Todd Munkin did all last season, you know, and so. I I, I off. That's what he said. <laughs> right. So, it, it's, it's impossible to say until you see it, unfortunately. You know, yeah. you, obviously, I think you go into it with a lot of skepticism based on how things have played out in Cleveland. But, sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, Shermer, same thing. It wasn't just Freddie, to be clear, you know. Right. i Here, have seen this over and over again. Here's the thing about Stefanski that makes me comfortable with him calling plays and it's not just because he's a obviously smart Ivy League guy. Right, that's the easy thing to point to. Right. Everything I know about him, or I've heard about him, is that he is extremely receptive to suggestions and feedback from other coaches. Now, how receptive and open he is as the head coach, we'll, we'll find out. And how receptive and open he is to players saying, hey, this is my play coach, let's do this one, I I don't know. But, you know, Chad O'Shea, I think, is very interesting in that, you know, in the the passing system, he should be able to say, hey, Stefanski, these are some really good plays. I never got that impression with Freddie Kitchens, that he was very open to listening to um, play calling suggestions from anybody else. And maybe I'm completely wrong. and I don't know for sure because, you know, obviously I'm not in the building with the coaching staff as they put a game plan together. But the the thing I like about Stefanski and why I'm less concerned about him calling plays is the, the guys he's surrounding himself with and his openness to listening to suggestions. So it, it's a thing where... I, I think you're right, Nate. I, I'm not sure the Browns are going to have a play caller that isn't Stephanski at this point. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, I, I that's my take on it at least. You know, any, any response to my response there? Well, it's just so funny that, you know,
0: we always record this podcast knowing that with the way that the NFL is and the way the Browns are, that news can pop up at any moment and something we discuss can become obsolete by the time you guys listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, NFL Network's Ian Rapoport just tweeted that the Vikings are making Gary Kubiak their offensive coordinator. Makes sense. So so there you go. I mean, that's a little bit of a development related to what we're talking about. I mean, Kevin Stefanski spent last season in Minnesota with Gary Kubiak, and if he could have lured... Gary Kubiak here, that would have been somebody who he would have totally been comfortable with calling the plays. He could have been the CEO, head coach, and he's into his new job without having to juggle all of it like we're talking about. But there you go. Gary Kubiak staying in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I don't think that's totally surprising. And no, it's not. But I think that's one Yeah, that you could, it was easy to say,
0: wow, if he could, if, Kevin Stefanski could get him here, that's how that would work, and, um, well, he's not, so it makes sense that Kevin Stefanski would have known that yesterday when he said it remains to be seen if he's higher offensive coordinator you know, he probably has known that that door wasn't going to be open for him. Right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, look, Minnesota has a good structure there for Gary Kubiak. His son is there, uh, Clint. And, you know, Gary Kubiak is basically joined at the hip at this point with offensive line coach Rick Dennison. So, you know, that, that that's a good thing for them, I guess. But whatever. Um, so that that's kind of where the Browns are at on the offensive side of the ball with the coaching staff. And like Nate said, we'll see how things develop here and, and who else they might bring in. But it, the staff's really starting to come together. I mean, you know, a tight end coach maybe, stuff like that, small things here and there. But I, I, yeah. think, I think the core is here. On defense, it's Joe Woods, right, Nate, the, the 49ers defensive backs coach. He, he's yes, be the guy. Kevin Stefanski confirmed last night
0: that he has no problem waiting for Joe Woods, which is what he has to do because uh, the 49ers obviously have advanced to the Super Bowl, so he will not be able to finalize a contract uh, with Joe Woods until after
1: the 49ers and Chiefs play on February 2nd, um, but that is the guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's a lot more ambiguity to the defense, I think, Nate, and, Um the the other coaches that they're going to bring in you know like a linebackers coach defensive backs coach because the the Browns just aren't retaining any of those guys do you think they're making the right move in moving on from Steve Wilks and his staff on defense
0: I do Um, I know there are a lot of legitimate reasons that you can point to and I'm I'm not even calling them excuses. I'm calling them legitimate reasons with the injuries, uh, with the Miles Garrett suspension, with Jermaine Whitehead losing his mind, threatening people on social media, getting cut. Like there are a lot of there are a lot of personnel issues that Steve Wilkes had to deal with. But having said that, I just wasn't, you know, blown away. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with uh, you know the the defense and. And what was done uh, last season, so I, I thought that it, it would just make sense to, to you know get somebody. And Kevin Stefanski, just like you mentioned Mike Prefer, he spent eight seasons with Mike Prefer in Minnesota, so it makes sense to retain him. And Mike Obviously, his special teams had vast improvement on our Prefer mm-hmm. uh, you know, 2019, his first year with the Browns. And Joe Woods is a guy he worked with for, for many years in Minnesota, so he's bringing in guys he knows are good coaches. Um, he feels really comfortable with them. He trusts them. And, uh, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense uh, why he would go to Joe Woods. And, and Joe Woods has some experience. He would, he's, you know, as a defensive coordinator, he held the role for two years in Denver. He called the plays, even though he had a defensive-minded coach in Vance Joseph. Uh, Woods did call those plays. So, you know, he's got some experience under his belt. And the 49ers are amazing. You know, defensively, um, you know they're 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 totally dominant, and I'm sure you know when the Browns are interviewing Robert Sala and he really impressed the hell out of them, and he and he made a strong uh, case for himself in that head coaching search. I'm I'm sure they heard good things about Joe Woods too. So, you know, it's probably not just Kevin Stefanski who who thinks highly of Joe Woods, but you know other members of of you know the the Browns organization probably heard good things from Robert Sala about about Joe Woods so you know I think it's you look at some of this stuff that like the experience as a defensive coordinator the fact that the 49ers had the number one pass defense in, in the NFL and, and, and Joe Woods is the secondary coach and, and passing defensive passing game coordinator um and, and, and just a familiarity with Stefanski, there, there are, uh, you know, a lot of those factors that, that make uh, this a uh, logical move.
1: Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me ask you this. It, it seems to me, from my far outside vantage point, that so far, a lot of these coaching decisions are, are being spearheaded by Stefanski. Am I right or wrong about that? And I'm asking that on the basis of, you know, the, the coaching staff that was put together this past season. It seemed like, you know, some guys were Freddie Kitchens guys, some guys were Steve Wilkes' guys, some guys were John Dorsey guys, and to me, that that was a a problematic combination of of a ununified vision from the coaching staff. Do you think Stefanski is the main guy behind these hires and? Do you think that that kind of shift for unity is what this franchise badly needs?
0: Yeah, I think that it's definitely the Stefanski staff and he's putting it together and you can see with all these connections um, that we're talking about that they're his guys and he, ne- he never worked with, like, for example, like okay, some of them aren't so obvious. Like, he never worked with Bill Callahan before, but he explained yesterday how they have many mutual uh, friends, many mutual coaching friends and connections that way. So he know he already knew what Bill Callahan was all about, and obviously respected his resume and body of work as a as a coach and 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 loves and and treasures the fact that he's been an NFL head coach before and says he'll, he'll lean heavily on him. So I, I think, yeah, Dan, last year, Freddie Kitchens got some of his guys in here, but there are a lot of John Dorsey guys, you know, and uh, John Dorsey really kind of uh, orchestrated uh, the assembly of the staff in, in many ways, not saying that, that Freddie, um, you know, wasn't on board or anything like that, but, there were just blatant John Dorsey guys. You know, Mike Prefer, uh, his dad was John Dorsey's special teams coach when John Dorsey played for the Green Bay Packers. Um, James Campen spent years and years and years with John Dorsey in Green Bay. Um, Joe Witt spent years and years and years with, with John Dorsey
1: mm-hmm.
0: in Green Bay. And, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of the other connections off the top of my head, but um, there are a lot of uh, a lot of... You know, connect the dots. Uh, well, you know, obviously this guy was strongly recommended, <laughs> to say the least, by John Dorsey. Right. Uh, you know, and then Freddie said, oh, yeah, sure.
1: Right. So it, to me, it just made for a, a strange group of coaches last season, I, you know, the more you think about it. But that, that's the past. Nate, you mentioned Dorsey a few times. The Browns are still looking for his replacement at GM. Yeah. Do you think it's concerning at all that they do not have one at this point? Uh, I was told
0: at about 10.30, about an hour ago, about 10.30 a.m., that they still had not made a decision, as opposed to they've made a decision, and they're waiting on George Payton to tell them if he's accepting or not. Because hmm. I really didn't know that. Um, yeah. But... They haven't made a decision. It could come as soon as today. Again, this could be old. Very, very, This conversation could turn old very quickly. The fact that George Payton spent 13 years in Minnesota with Kevin Stefanski, we are just talking about Kevin Stefanski and coaching staff. Well, obviously, George Payton is Kevin Stefanski's guy. The fact that, they, that they've had two interviews with um, George Payton makes me b- believe that he's the front frontrunner. Um, now... The, the, the potential uh, curveball here is that Andrew Barry had one interview, but the Browns already know him very well. Maybe the one interview is really to get him acquainted more with Kevin Stefanski, who he had, he does know a little bit because he backed Stefanski's bid last year for head coach when Barry was in Cleveland and on that search committee. Obviously went to Freddie Kitchens and Stefanski uh, this year with Barry in Philadelphia, but Barry and D Podesta back Stefanski last year, they supported him. They obviously, um, all, all have that strong commitment to analytics. So there would be alignment that way. Um, but certainly there would be alignment with Stefanski Payton combo. It would be guys who know each other, who've worked with you, with each other, who respect and trust each other. And so that's very appealing and attractive to the Browns and to Stefanski, the the interesting thing is when you when you dig into George Payton's past, I Dan, I mean I was I was looking for a long time yesterday at a bunch of stuff, and I can't count how many interviews George Payton has turned down over the years for GM jobs. Mm-hmm. He has been he has been beyond picky. I mean he is he has turned down not several but many many GM opportunities. He's also interviewed for. Uh, several, and, uh, you know, he was a, I'll go back to 2012. He interviewed with the Rams twice, okay? (laughs) So that's why this isn't a done deal yet. Yeah, he interviewed with the Browns twice, but it's not done until it's done. He interviewed with the Rams twice and did not take that job. The Vikings ended up promoting him from VP of uh, player personnel to assistant GM. He's held that title ever since 2012, and the Rams hired Les Snead. Uh, In 2017, he interviewed with the 49ers and was labeled in the media as the favorite, you know, for that. And obviously, John Lynch ends up becoming the GM there. And He also interviewed that same year with the Colts, and Chris Ballard is the GM there. Uh, So there's been some close calls with George Payton, but many, many uh, rejections from George Payton. It seems like he's a guy who just wants to see everything align uh, for himself to make this move. He's worked with Rick Spielman throughout his NFL career: Chicago, Miami, and the Vikings again for 13 years now. So, um, I'm, it, it, everything in the research points to him really wanting an ideal, ideal scenario. Well the problem with the Browns is there's not an ideal scenario for a guy looking for one because of the turnover, the lack of continuity. What might get him to finally make that leap of faith in his career is Stefanski. And the fact that he's assistant GM for the Vikings, Rick Spielman's the GM, and there's not, you know, that opening for him to ascend to the role there. So I don't know. Uh, it, it, it'll be interesting I, I'm stuck on him as the favorite but I, I would not discount Andrew Barry either and obviously they they interviewed a, another guy the New England Patriots uh, director of college scouting Matiasenford but I look at it as uh, as George Payton being the favorite but
1: Andrew Barry certainly a possibility I agree completely <coughs> excuse me golly got got a cold so I apologize for the coughs and whatnot today but um well said on on the the george payton front and i i agree i I think he will be the guy ultimately but um that's kind of the the long and short of where the browns are at currently with their their front office and their head coach and their coaching staff and all that kind of stuff nate we've gone just about a half hour already you have anything else this week you want to Chat about it? Are we good? You want to talk about uh, team stuff in the future some point? What do you, what do you want we to do? I, I know
0: I, I would actually like your take on Payton versus Barry real quick because sure. I mean, I know that you um, see, it's, it's hard for me to like you can assess what Rick Spielman's done in the draft throughout the years, mm-hmm. and you know. It's hard for me to project, obviously I don't know anything really about George Payton other than this research, looking at stuff, but there's no track record, you know, without, I mean, it's for it's Spielman, so it's hard for me to have a strong George Payton take other than I like the fact that it seems that he has been groomed for a long time to ascend to this role, whereas Andrew Barry's a lot younger with a lot less experience, and frankly was here you know, during some really bad, historically bad, I should say, years for the Browns. Um, again, he was not the guy in control of the 53, just like Peyton hasn't been. You know, it was Sashi Brown uh, at the time. But, um, you know, the Browns are going to know, the owners especially are going to know what Andrew Barry thought from 2016 to 2018 about a bunch of decisions and, and, and I know that Haslam's are huge fans of him and didn't want him to leave. And, 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 uh, you know, he ended up going to Philly mm-hmm. as his VP of football operations, got a little promotion that way. So he did leave, but you know, John Dorsey, um, is gone now and, 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 and they're looking at, uh, you know, potential reunion with Andrew Berry. And I, I get all that, but I, I I'm asking you for your take with, and also saying that I would lead Peyton. <laughs> right. But well, look.
1: What, what, what do you think? What do you think of that? Here's here's the thing with me about Andrew Barry. Obviously, everybody knows how smart he is, and he's he's pretty well regarded, and all that kind of crap. But it it to me, it's hard to excuse, no matter what your organizational plan is for the team passing on Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. And to me that, look, you, you can argue about both of those players, particularly Wentz and his injury history. But when you actively avoid two franchise quarterbacks like that, it it has to cast some doubt on your ability to properly run an organization. So that that's my big holdup about Andrew Barry. Now, he might not be to blame for that. He might have and that, had... And that's right, the thing. You, yeah. don't, you don't know. But... The Haslams um, would know that maybe he's saying,
0: hey, I really don't think we should pass on to Sean Watson here. Right. You know, why trade down from 12? You know what I mean? Like, right.
1: That's the part we don't know. Right. But ultimately, it, it is part of his past. Yeah. So So that, that, to me, is where it's at with Barry. With Peyton, you know... Rick Spielman is very high, highly regarded in Minnesota. He's been there since 2006. But what has Minnesota done in that time? They've had some good records. They've gone to, I believe, one or two NFC Championship games during that time. Maybe just one. Um, but they haven't won anything, certainly. And so there, there. I think there are questions of, boy, you know. Is, is Rick Spielman the right guy in Minnesota? Is their head coach Mike Zimmer the right guy? So if you're George Payton and, and you might hear those rumblings too, I think now would be a smart time to to jump off that ship, if you will. So um, from that regard, from Payton's perspective, I think he would be smart to finally take a job. And I, I think it's, it should be encouraging for Browns fans hearing all of those places where Peyton was basically the runner-up GM pick, you know, San Francisco, the Rams, um, all of those guys that are there now are very well-regarded general managers in the NFL. So it's not like he's, like, coming up short to a bunch of bums. Yeah, no, great point. These
0: are really good GMs (laughs) that they they ended up
1: hiring. Right. And, you know, I, I think... The Vikings have a good strategy in how they, they run their team. I mean, they're they're very um, savvy drafting for the most part. I mean, of course, like any team, they've had a lot of misses. But um, some of their hits have been really strong hits. So, I, I don't know. I like Peyton. Um, I, I like how you know, tied together, the whole thing would be. And I, I think that's what the Browns need ultimately. Not to say that Stefanski and Barry couldn't get along, but if if I had to say who I preferred at this point, it would be Peyton. All right, I guess we're team Peyton. Yeah, we'll see. And I was very surprised to find out his name is pronounced Peyton. I thought it was Patton for the longest time, so... Uh, this GM search has has helped my brain grow I guess Um, (laughs) alright unexpected uh, consequence that's right next time Nate and I will talk we will get into some roster stuff because there's some very interesting things we're going to talk fullbacks baby Um, we'll we'll talk about that we'll talk tight ends and, and some other roster stuff free agents on the Browns the needs they have as the offseason progresses things like that. and anything else before we check out though? I don't think
0: so, Dan. Uh, you know, there's so much that we could get into but you know, I'm not at the Senior Bowl this year, neither you could, you know, Kevin Stefanski was the greater Cleveland sports award so right. that's where the focus is right now with the Browns still trying to get this GM in place and coaching staff rounded out, so I don't think we need to get in on all that stuff right now. Um,
1: last question. Yeah. Last question for me. Did you wear a suit and tie or a tuxedo to the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards last night? I did wear a suit and tie. I don't have a tuxedo. So is it is it required to wear a suit and tie? It's not
0: required, but most people do. So I rarely wear my suit, but it's one time I do every year. Unless
1: I'm at the Senior Bowl, of course. Right, yeah. I will. They, co- they coincide. I will never go to the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards. One, because I would never be invited. But two, I don't own a suit. So, um, take that, Greater Cleveland Sports Awards. <laughs> On that note, that, that <laughs> awkward, awkward note, we're, we're going we're gonna to check out before uh, the construction in the office resumes. Um... We'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. You can find all of his stuff and more over at BeaconJournal.com/slash Browns. Let us know what you think of what the Browns are doing on social media in the comments, wherever you choose. So, uh, give us some feedback. But we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.